Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. You're going to be wanting to listen to the station all weekend, whether it's Leafs Montreal or NFL playoff games. We have got you covered. Speaking of getting you covered, we are joined now by Mike Sando, excellent NFL writer with The Athletic. Mike, thanks so much for joining the show today. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks. In the last minute, has there been another offensive coordinator fired that we're not aware of? <laughs> uh, maybe. That's possible, the way that it's going. Uh, there's, a, there's a long list. What do we have? Thir- do we have 13 offensive coordinator openings? I guess if you count the head coach vacancies, you would have uh, quite a list. Yeah, it, it feels like what a great time to be an NFL head coach, because at the very least, you got that one gun, uh, that one bullet left in the gun, and and I do wonder, like, when you look at teams like Baltimore, uh, how many of this was, you know, do you blame on the coach? How much of it, do you just blame oh, yeah. on, 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 you know, quarterbacks getting hurt? No doubt. So many of the ones that get fired are in situations where it was a bad quarterback situation, either through injury or just that's the way that it was. I mean, do you think Scott Turner in Washington was standing on the table to get Carson Wentz? I mean, I highly doubt that, right? But then he stuck with the head coach who wanted Wentz and then changes from Wentz to Heineke to Sam Howell, however he wants to do it. And then when things don't work out, hey, you know, we need to change. <laughs> so whether or not Scott Turner was doing a great job or any of these guys were doing a great job, usually there's things like that. In Certainly you could, you could question the design of the offense for the Jets and whether they did a good enough job, but let's face it, yeah. uh, Zach Wilson has something to do with that. Having Joe Flacco as a backup, having uh, you know your uh, other backup get injured uh, and have an injury-prone playing style. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, a lot of guys wouldn't have done great. Yeah, I know. And Greg Roman was a genius in the first couple of years of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson gets hurt, and Greg and uh, Greg Roman's no longer a genius. Um, moving on to this this weekend of football, which team do you think is most in line for a rude awakening in terms of the step up of quality of competition? I'll give you three options: Is it the Giants going from the Vikings to the Eagles? The Cowboys going from Tampa to the Forty ers or the Jaguars going from the Chargers to Kansas City? Oh, to me, it's Jaguars all the way. I thought they looked stage fright a little bit against Tennessee in the Week 18 play-in game. Uh, that was a little shaky for the state of Tennessee. Now, I cut a little slack in the division games. I think. They're, they're closer. You look at Miami and Buffalo last week, you know, Seattle was leading San Francisco at halftime. Those sorts of things uh, play into it. But I think Jacksonville down 27 nothing to the Chargers as well was a not-ready-for-prime-time type of look. They were able to come back. The Chargers were a little complicit in that comeback. They couldn't run the ball in the second half. But I think that's clearly the one. I thought it was funny that Trevor Lawrence, you know, who I think everybody rightfully likes, was like, can't be that much louder or worse, you know, in Kansas City than in Jacksonville. Well, there's a reason people have been talking about Airhead Stadium in a certain way for way longer than Trevor Lawrence has been alive. So we'll see about that. The I, I think the key here is you can't have late game Trevor Lawrence heroics because by that point Kansas City is going to be up by too much. I usually the the recipe for the upset is the underdog gets out to an early lead and it's the favorite that's got to do the chasing. For this to be a good game, we're going to need Trevor Lawrence to be a hero in the first quarter. Yeah, no doubt. But even then, remember, didn't Deshaun Watson have a twenty-four nothing lead there against Kansas City? Yes, they, yes, they did. I remember uh, that game that, well. Yeah, and so. 
that's the problem when you're playing against Mahomes is he does give them the ability to come back from being down 17 or whatever, those impossible situations, uh, you know, more than other quarterbacks. So I don't think the Jaguars are ever safe in this game. Uh, extra time to prepare for Kansas City uh, with a real great opportunity here. Uh, and you've got to be on your toes in the AFC anyway. Uh, but Kansas City's in a great spot because Buffalo or Cincinnati is going to be eliminated. Yeah. One of the two teams that could beat them for sure is going to be eliminated. So while they play Jacksonville at home, I mean, to me, that's a great situation for the Chiefs. Oh, 100%. And then one of Josh Allen or Joe Burrow is going to be eliminated. We'll get to that game in a second. Uh, moving to the Giants-Eagles, how different do you think this game is going to be versus the Week 14 one where the Eagles just blew out the Giants? The Giants were without a lot of their members of their secondary, and Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson were healthier. Um, this is not me thinking that, you know, the Giants are going to win, yeah. but I just I feel this game is going to look and feel different than the one that was 48 22. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I, as I mentioned a minute ago, some of these games that were division rivalry games ended up being closer than you would think. Baltimore playing with a backup quarterback at Cincinnati really was going to tie the game probably, and they had a 98-yard disaster play returned the other way. Uh, Miami hung in there with Buffalo, Seattle for a half, right, against the 49ers, even though you'd say the talent disparities between the teams was really strongly in favor. So, I look, Philly could come out and roll them. We all know they're a good team. They, they're capable of doing that. We know the Giants are limited in their personnel. They're not great. They've done a great job of coaching it. I think Daniel Jones has got confidence. Um, that is one where I would probably take the points, whatever it is. It was a seven and a half when I looked at it yesterday. I don't know what it is now. But, yeah, still seven and a half. Probably I would probably lean towards that. And, hey, if, if the Eagles roll them by more than that, good for them, right? But I just – division game, I like the, the way – the fact that the, you know, the Giants have been so well coached. I think Daniel Jones has confidence now. He's a real athletic quarterback, too. It's not just Hurts. You know, so he, he gives you some ability when used properly to, to, to you know, make the offense go. And so I, I – I, I'm interested in that game. Like last week, I picked the Giants to beat, uh, you know, to, to to beat the Vikings. Certainly would take any points uh, because I thought the the Vikings were vulnerable. I don't know that the Eagles are as vulnerable. <laughs> They've had some injuries, but they're better than the Vikings. So it's going to be a taller yeah. order for the Giants. Oh yeah, it's I'm a mid- taller order for the Giants. But I kind of like the spot they're in, don't you? Hey, they played this team. They're not going to have the Jacksonville stage fright thing, right? They're going to. They're going to go after it, and maybe they can't hang the whole game, but I, I think the Eagles will get a good good run from them. And it's, it's been like six weeks since the Eagles looked like the number one seed in the NFC. From The Athletic, we're joined by Mike Sando. So moving over to Sunday, um, what for you is the bigger concern? Is it uh, the Bengals' offensive line issues or the Josh Allen turnovers? You may only pick one. Which one yeah. do you think could be a bigger yeah. factor on Sunday? Probably the Josh Allen turnovers. I would. I might answer the other way if Von Miller were still healthy. I thought that was a move that really could put the Bills over the top. Unfortunately, you know, you roll the dice with the injury history and the age of Von Miller, and it didn't work out. But I think that's the X factor that really could have put that defense over the top and made them be kind of my favorite uh, in the AFC. Now, I would probably take the Bengals and the points. It was you know five last time I looked and just take my chances because of the volatility of the Bills. Uh, Last week, 
Josh Allen passed the ball 39 times in 39 attempts. The average distance downfield from his of his pass to the target was over 15 yards. Yeah. And when I went back, when I went back and looked at that, I think since maybe about 2007, there was 2,300 times a quarterback had thrown the ball at least 39 times in a game. This was number one for the average pass distance. So it felt a little like they were buying lottery tickets. And that, as you step up in class against better teams, I think they need a little more consistency play-to-play in their offense. Yeah. Uh, when you play against Cincy. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm a little, a little bit worried. And we saw that in the fourth quarter when they had the lead and just Allen going deep a couple times, both incomplete. I don't know how much of that Josh Allen being hero ball, how much on Ken Dorsey, but you're right, that's going to be a big yeah. factor. Uh, last question, we might as well do one for each of them. Are you confident that, um, obviously, uh, Dallas Dallas is a good team, even though I don't think Tampa is, but Dallas did what they were supposed to do. Do you believe that Brock Purdy will be able to make three to four plays that are above average, almost elite-type throws? It, can he make those three or four plays that might be asked of him this weekend? I think it gets a lot harder because of the speed of the Cowboy defense, Micah Parsons. He was able to move nicely in the pocket against Seattle and buy some extra plays in the red zone. I think if he was able to make two or three of those against Seattle, I think it's maybe one, and one goes bad for him against Dallas in this game. So it's really going to be important for that 49er offense to, to protect him, in not just with pass protection, but with, hey, their weapons and be able to, to have the yards after the catch in the run game and have it schemed up. I am very, if I'm Dallas, this is a Dan Quinn game. Dan Quinn, you've done a great job. You have reinvented yourself. You're not running the same old Seattle defense. What do you have in this game to put your defense in position to beat Brock Purdy? And I know it's not just beat Brock Purdy because he's surrounded with amazing scheme and talent. But can we have a couple of things that confuse him? Can our athleticism up front get to him? Can we have him put the ball on the ground? Brock Purdy's been great. He can't be great every week forever, can he? Let's go, Dan Quinn. What do you got? That kind of would be my, I think it's a Dan Quinn game. Want to see what he's got. Mike, always appreciate when you take time joining the show. Follow the man on Twitter, at SandoNFL. Read his work in The Athletic. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you.